Okay, and we're rolling and action. Just go ahead when you're ready. Sorry, I wasn't listening. I've just been batmailing on my bat phone. Yeah, can you just do the line, please? I am Batman. No. Welcome, everybody, to a brand new episode of the Heck Yeah Comics Podcast. Heck yeah. I'm your host, David Luzader, and with me, of course, is... is Nick Shermooksness. Wonderful. Welcome to the show, Nick. Thank you, David. Welcome to the show. It would be funny if I'm still not being recorded. No, you are. And it's I, I literally just an episode of you talking to seemingly yourself. I mean, how, like... It would just be hilarious because, like, there's just me laughing at a joke. I'm like, oh, good one. <laughs> and I just seem insane. Yep. Uh, which is probably true. Be a fun thing to try. Uh, yeah, fun maybe maybe one day. Try. Maybe one day, never. Um, oh man, I have something. Oh, okay, yeah. Since we're here at the beginning of the show, um, you know, I'm just gonna go ahead and I'm gonna type in. I'm gonna check everybody's favorite website. You're um, pregnant. No. With an idea. Is Wolverine still dead? Dot com. <laughs> we haven't done an update in a while. Wolverine uh, is still dead. Yes. Uh, Poochie with claws has been dead for 25 weeks. Poochie with claws. Yep. 25 weeks though. He, that's that's pretty good. Yeah. That's a, that's a long time. Uh, and speaking of dead characters, Deadpool has now officially been dead. Um, like a day. Less than a day, but yep. Yeah. So it's funny with, uh, I mean, I haven't read the comic, but, you know, we, of course, uh, looked up what happened and they did pretty much what I think everyone expected them to do, which was build it up as like, oh, Deadpool is about to die and then pull this big gag fake out in, in the way of like Secret Wars is starting. So, yes, he's dead in the way that everyone is dead, mm-hmm. but he's not like really dead, which I can totally understand is, you know, can be seen, seen as anticlimactic because I think for a lot of people that were reading the the Gary Dugan Brian Posen run, um, you know, they're kind of looking for a book. You know, if it was going, if if this is potentially their final issue, for it to kind of wrap up in a way that, um, you know, it kind of wraps the series as a whole. That kind of you know comes full circle. Mm-hmm. But in this case, it's just like this could potentially be our final issue, and oh, he's dead. Though it's in, you know, it will be curious to see what comes out of you know because you know there'll be a Deadpool book out of. Uh, Secret Wars, will it be the same creative team? Um, you know, do they have more to say on the character? Um, is he going to be changed at all by Secret Wars? Um, it, it's just interesting. You know, it, it, I think it's a it's a very Deadpool way to go. Mm-hmm. You know, to to sort of piggyback off of the event and be like, oh, you were expecting this, but you got this. No, no, it definitely was, and I think it works in their favor if it's going to be seen as one big giant gag. Exactly. Um, Did you expect anything less from a Deadpool book? No. I didn't. But you know what? Deadpool is a book that came out this week. That's not a book that we're really up to date on reading-wise. However, a lot of books we are up to date on did come out this week. And, and they uh, were good. They were good. Where do you want to start? We get, you know, we've got quite the list. We're not gonna, unfortunately, huh. we probably can't get to everything. But uh, Well, why don't we do uh, Descender? Issue two. All right. 
Give me your, give me your thoughts. It's the second issue. It is you know, the second we, issue. We were intrigued and, we, and enjoyed the first issue. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel that the second issue has only grown your anticipation and enjoyment of the series? I would definitely, I would definitely say that it has, Nick. Um, no, I really, really like this issue as a, uh, you know, as going further, uh, and you know they're taking time now to really delve into the character of Tim Twenty One which is what this was. And I really liked the way that they did that mm-hmm. um, where each page, you know, on the left you have what's, you know, what's going on picking up from the end of, um, of last issue. And then on the right side, you have Tim 21's memories and, you know, he's uh, they're uploading them uh, somewhere. And, you know, as you get through each percentage, it's like, here's where his life was at this, you know, at like 10% at like 16%, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so we get to see, um, oh, Andy, that was his name. We get to see Andy and, uh, you know, the one that he calls mommy. Mrs. Tavers. Yeah. Mrs. Tavers. Um, and you know, we get, we get a feel for, uh, for Tim. There's not really a lot of, uh, Dr. Kwan, uh, in this one. He appears mm-hmm. in like the flashbacks, but something tells me that with, you know, where, where the story is going is heading back towards him. Mm-hmm. And um, it is interesting though. It does, um, there, that makes a personal connection between Quan and Tim Twenty One. Like this, this, presumably there's more than one Tim, mm-hmm. you know. But that that Quan, especially, you know, was was personally working on this project, mm-hmm. you know, before shipping him off to the the mining colony. Well, we know also uh, from the first issue. I think they mentioned, you know, like oh, uh, Tim Twenty One just came back online, and he says something along the lines of like one of those units is still active. Um, so I think we've known that there's you know there's multiples there's just something surprising that this one is still um going on yeah and obviously it's been what was it was it 10 years this is now taking place 10 years after the harvester attack so Mm -hmm. um you know probably in that time you know during the robot purge that a lot of the you know this one was so far out of you know out of range that they you know they probably got to a lot of them and and shut them down but obviously this one yeah escaped I, i was really uh, one thing that I thought was really interesting in this book is that we see Tim 21 defend himself a couple times. Yeah. He, uh, he's actually built with, I mean, pretty serious weaponry. He, I mean, he kills, least, you know, a pulsar beam. Yeah. Well, he kills that weird dog thing. And then he also, um, you know, spoiler alert here, but we're only two issues in and these, these aren't characters we're meant to be attached to. Uh, he kills low rent Wolverine, <laughs> Wolverine, um, as you know, as I viewed him. Um, mm-hmm. but like, he's definitely like, because, you know, when when the dog dies, it's kind of shown off screen. So it's like, oh, does he just, like, scorch him kind of bad? Then when he shoots the other guy, it's, like, right through the chest. Yep. There's, like, no hint that, you know, this guy may have survived. Um, and so it makes you wonder, like... What was a, what was a child's was a companion? Child robot companion built with that kind of weaponry? Yeah. I mean, he, he they do say in the beginning that he was designed to both... Where does it say? They um, use the word, like, infiltrate. To entertain, protect, and assist. So, I mean, hmm. not necessarily infiltrate, but okay, I mean, yeah, yeah, he's a robot, so he could be recording something. But they took the protect thing pretty oh, uh, seriously. To adapt to and gradually assimilate. That's what that's what I was thinking of. Yeah. So, I guess, yeah, protection would have meant, I mean, because there was the possibility of, you know, rabid alien wildlife out on the planets. Mm-hmm. And his crazy pulsar beam would have had to protect him. Um. It is interesting, you know, and not that you have to follow these rules, but it doesn't follow the Asimov rules of robots. 
that mm-hmm. that he was able to use his pulsar beam on another on a human being. Mm-hmm. Just interesting. No, 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 no. That is interesting because I think a lot of people like to just kind of write off all robots onto those rules, um, and you know, to have a to have one that is very, you know, easily outside of those is always is always nice. I really, you know, I really thought Dustin Nguyen's art also was above and beyond on this issue from what we saw last time. Exactly. Yeah. The, the first issue, I mean, it was good overall, mm-hmm. but there was definitely some, some sequences that were, that seemed better, better tight, more tightly drawn. I don't really know how to express it. Mm-hmm. You know, with this one, like he's definitely come more into his own with the second issue. Characters seem more fully formed uh, the, and the panel layout, the, the, the structure, you know, panel to panel uh, is done very well and and this is sort of something they're doing over and i'll know hawkeye as well when they have the uh the flashbacks mm-hmm. the panels aren't strictly defined um mm-hmm. which is sort of the way that you'd kind of expect memory you know memory is not going after all yeah yeah it's it's this more of this big pool of thought and and remembrance and like the part when uh when um the upload can't complete and you see the uh like the bits of memory in the um they're not hexagons no i guess they are no they're shapes they're shapes one two three four five six i don't remember what a six-sided shape is called um anyway sectagon anyway so like but but when you know when you don't know geometry yeah this is not the heck yeah geometry podcast um it's a hexagon I thought hexagon was eight sides. No, that's an octagon. According to Google, a hexagon is a six-side polygon. You're right. No, no, no. A hectagon, uh, an octagon is an eight-sided. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, octagon is eight. Yeah. That's where I got it. So you have like the hexagons kind of like coming out of his head. Yeah. um, And they have like just individual images of his life. That was just, that is just such a really great um, representation of it. The kind of things you can only pull off effectively in comic books. Agreed. Agreed. And then I, I think again spoilers, um, but it's quite interesting that the drilling robot that saves mm-hmm. him has the same head as a harvester. I don't. Did you pull out like number one and check it? Because I don't I, know if they're like I the did, same. I did, but okay. I'm like ninety five percent sure that I, it's very harvest harvestery looking. I mean, the shapes are very similar, but I don't know if they're a, a perfect match. I mean, it would not be convenient for me to grab the issue, but I swear. Yeah, I think, I think mine's I in a swear. box by now. Uh, I mean, you know, I'm going to try and uh, Google it because that's what, you know, that's what all great podcasts do. They Google in the middle of the show. They, yes, they do because they want um, to know. But, def- you know, it, it, the first issue was, I was like, this is definitely a book I want to see more of. And then the second issue is like, this is a book I I need to see more of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's something so, where it, it could have gone either way in the second issue, but you know as you gradually introduce more and more elements but not only has it introduced interesting concepts but it's also made me feel for the characters because also mm-hmm. like you end up seeing the spacesuit of mrs presumably well, mrs tavers but you see here's here's the thing about that um okay so yeah you, you see that you see the spacesuit that's presumably her sorry i didn't mean to cut you off no no, no that's fine when they show it all you see is the word tavers um but when you see hers like it says p tavers and the first letter is presumed is like is not shown. No, it's sh- when he's holding the suit. It says P Tavers. When he's holding, uh, no, it's not. It just says Tavers. I'm looking at it. it says P- there's a scene 
I, uh, I'm not sure how to. Exp- it's the page where like it shows his hand and something in the pulsar beam opening up on his hand. If you flip to oh, it. Oh, okay. See, I missed that the first time. I thought they were. I thought they were tricking us. But he's looking at the suit, and unless you don't see a face, we, yeah, you know, we see, it, was, we see it, a... be, it could be that the the the, the, the the face mask is just it's you can't see inside of it. Well, no, no, you see a skull. No, you don't. Yes, you do. Flip a page back. Oh, you do. But but well, sure, it does only show. Ta- but presumably, that's the same suit that he grabs. But well, but again. All you see is a skull in her spacesuit. Like, there could yeah, have been something is... where they had gotten off before and somebody in an emergency put on this spacesuit they could find. It could be, though, I believe the. Um, so, when you go to the next page, mm-hmm. this was, you know, what about you, Tim? Would you like to stay on tonight? And he says, no, I'd like to sleep too. I think that scene is the scene where she goes out. And then whatever happens on, the, but, on that colony happens. But that's memory upload 59%. Yeah, but then you... That's true. Oh, you don't see any more. I hmm. just say, it, I think that is where... It just seems like an odd... Like, it's the... It just seems like a final scene, you know? Like, oh, so, you know, because then they get... Then you end the issue. Mm-hmm. So I felt like it was kind of walking... It basically walked us from his beginning to his current predicament. So this is where well, he agrees to go to bed. See, I don't know, because there's like a system... There's like a system failure. Yeah, which means we're, we missed something. Well, but we missed something past that point because his memory was only about sixty percent uploaded. So, so there could be more to be revealed. But it also, um, I mean, he's uploading his memory, yes. But I mean, he maybe there's things that he remembers while he's unconscious or like turned off, or I don't know. I but, mean, there's a lot. There's a lot to just to still be explored. Yeah, I just got the I got the vibe from the scene that it was right before whatever goes down on the, the mining colony goes down. I, I can see how you'd get that vibe. So I guess it remains to be seen how that plays out. Um, so I'm looking at the, a picture of the harvester, and the heads are similar between the driller and the harvester, but they're not they're not perfect. I mean, without saying that Dustin Newman was simply lazy about making a more distinct facial feature, there's, yeah. I think there's definitely something about it. It seems interesting to kind of zoom out and make the drilling robot seem very specific versus something more generic. Well, and it's interesting because we know there's a big robot coal. Um, and this one seems very adept at defending itself. Could these, you know, lower sort of lower function, you know, somebody who wasn't programmed in the same, same way Tim 21 was, could this robot be um, adept at learning and, uh, and changing its ways in order to protect itself? You know. and, and also with Tim 21's body kind of in, you know, not doing so well, maybe his consciousness gets loaded into the drilling bot and that's why they have a similar code. I don't know. I, I, yeah, I was wondering where his memory was going to go. It's going to, I mean, it's all going to go back to him meeting up with, uh, with Dr. Kwan. Yeah. But I mean, I, I'm surprised that, you know, his body's pretty bad at damage. I don't know who could work on that body, except unless Dr. Kwan's on, in route with... I think he is in route with Yeah, him. yeah, I think it was he was on his way to retrieve it. So, uh, I mean, he could certainly work on the body. Um, I mean, anybody, you know, like, everybody could work on their body. He could hit the gym, you know, for a few hours a day. <laughs> Everyone could use some more exercise. Tim, Get Tim, to the gym, people. Tim Put 21. Comic book. Tim 21 could, you know, be doing some, uh, some you know, some pull-ups, some sit-ups. Yeah. Pick up some uh, omnibuses, do some... Uh, some uh, bicep curls with your omnibuses, omnibuy. 
We should we should anyway. create we should create a series of um comic of like, book exercises. Yeah, like workout tips for like comic book nerds. Be like, you're not gonna gain any muscle just holding a single issue. You gotta go full trade paperback, hardcover. <laughs> well, no, you have to go with the you have to go like the Doom Patrol omnibus, man. I mean, you gotta go something big. <laughs> something big. Yeah, uh, razzle issue, uh, complete volume or bone. Oh yeah, yeah. Get like the complete bone. <laughs> All bone. Get the complete bone. I'm just gonna <laughs> let that one hang in the air. Not even gonna touch it. Two seconds. Two seconds. Uh, All right, it's there. It's in it's the there. Air. All right, it's All got right. it. I'm, right. I'm looking at the face of the harvest right now. I found an image as well, and and I, I, yes, similar. But I'm just saying it's. I don't think it's a coincidence. I mean, it remains to be seen. You know, I mean, like all robots in, they're not all robots, but you, you know. I realize the harvester or harvesters are huge. Mm-hmm. But you actually never see their legs. Maybe they you don't have them maybe, kind maybe, of loom over the planet. Like I, I think they were probably designed by Rob Liefeld. <laughs> and so we're never actually going to see the feet. This, this is actually a remake of an old Rob Liefeld, Liefeld comic. And Dustin Nguyen is just paying homage to that particular it's a element. It's, it's Supreme Blue Rose all over again. Yeah, the, which I never finished reading. I never started reading. And by I never finished reading, I should also say I never started either. But I do have like the first three issues. Yeah, I think I have them kicking around too. I was going to get to my two read pile today, but between everything that I picked up and The Martian, I just didn't get to it. Skinned it. What chapter are you on now, by the way? I am 200 pages in. Yeah, I'm not gonna catch up, but I'll still finish it before the month's I mean, over. I might, I might take a break. I might take a little bit of a break. Maybe let you get a little closer. Take, take a couple days off. All right, all right. I mean, I just, I really laid into it today. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll do some more reading later. Did you finish chapter six? No, I think I'm on chapter six. I haven't read it since last night. So, like, you're at the point when they're like back at they're uh, talking about the people back at NASA. No, he's he's been talking about um, like all the. Uh, he's been he's been trying to create make potatoes. Okay, so you're not yeah you're not in chapter six yet. Yeah, so I'm like right there. Okay, start chapter six. Yes. Heck yeah, the Martian. Heck yeah, the Martian. Can that be my recommendation? That that's a comic. It's not right? a comic book. Wait, you can write the the you can write to the writer and ask if they can adapt it into a comic book, and okay. then you can. Well, it's it's. It. I mean, it's going to be a movie. Is it? So, yes, yeah, uh, starring Matt Damon. Really. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. Yep. Anyway, back to comics. back to comics. Oh, we you know we read uh, Descender. We also read Copperhead. Let's let's dig into that a little bit because we're now in the beginning of the second arc. Yeah, you know, it. I mean, I I definitely enjoyed the first five issues. Uh, the, just just the the I don't want to say unsung hero, but and I I I actually have been really enjoying Jay uh, Faber's writing. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Scott Godlewski, Godlewski mm-hmm. is a phenomenal artist. You know, it's not overly rendered, but he doesn't skimp on details either. You know, whether yeah. it's like in the very first page, you see the the, the police, the patroller, the, the the vehicle chasing whatever the bandit. You know, it's it's not like I said, it's not overly rendered, but there's enough there. Um, you know that you get a sense of the speed you get a sense of the momentum going on in the the scene mm-hmm. you know and then just each every page just reads very very well it, it was a really great that in you know while we're talking about the first scene that was a really great action sequence in the beginning it was um, it everything flows and it's it's 
uh, yeah, uh, continue. Well, no, I just said like like you're saying, like everything flows. It, it all fits really well. The, it it you know does the panel in panel zoom ins to highlight stuff without detracting from the bigger action. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's like quickly we're gonna focus in on you know on her face or on Boo's face or like what this guy is doing during the like during the scene, but mm-hmm. the bigger panels are all are all reserved for this big stuff that's happening. Yeah, it's oh, it's good. And then I like with this second art, it's definitely sort of like, okay, she's kind of earned her place a little bit. I mean, she's definitely still uh, proving herself to the community, mm-hmm. but uh, at least with some of the more immediate main characters, she's more, it's more lived in. Like she, mm-hmm. she's kind of earned even, at least of some begrudging respect. Yeah, it definitely. Um, yeah. It, it's, I, I think she has earned sort of, sort of her respect overall. And now she's getting to the point where people are like, crap, we're not going to get rid of her. Like she's not just going to go away. Yeah, like one, we have issues. One with thing her. I'm confused on, uh, and correct and correct me. I, I haven't had. Ch- I didn't go back and look at the other issues. Mm-hmm. Um, what was it Ishmael? Yeah, the 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 Artie. I thought they were blue. They're like bluish purple. Because you... he's clearly, and it could just be. It might just have been a coloring mistake. I, I, it just it struck me because I swear he was like blue, like blue. I mean, blue purple, but like on the dark, like closer to blue. Whereas here he's like very obviously like a like a grapefruit color. Um, trying to find it real. And then quick. like you see later, uh, or you see with um, the other with one, the, the the minor guy, he has a blue arty. Um, and mm, I'm yeah. confused. Is the school teacher also an arty? Yes, he is. Okay, interesting. Uh, I, that's uh, he immediately. I immediately gravitated towards him. I think there's something interesting about what relationship might bloom between him, the school teacher, and the sheriff. Yeah. Um, but I swear uh, Ishmael in, in, in the, the previous first issues was blue. Yeah, no, I, I you know, it, it's funny because until you just pointed that out, I didn't even realize that he looks different. And I think I um, part of that might, I think we mostly saw him at night before. Yeah, but I mean... Yeah, his color like wouldn't change that stick, much. Yeah. Maybe there's like a chameleon effort, like a, a chameleon sort of part to it. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, we don't really know much about them. Um, one thing you were saying, uh, is about, you know, the world feeling or everything kind of feels a little more lived in now, you know, we've kind of jumped ahead in time a couple of months. Um, when there's this, there's this page where, uh, the sheriff is looking out at the city and there's this, you know, the, the wide shot of the street, and then it kind of zooms in on three little panels of, you know, stuff that's going on all around. I yep. really, really like that page because it give it gives you this sense of, uh, yeah, yeah, these are all weird alien creatures, but they're living a normal life. Exactly. Yeah. This, this is, and I think this this goes back to uh, when Jay Faber and Scott Godoleski said that you know it's it's a Western book, like it's a str- it's as straight a Western as you can do, but stuck in the trappings of like a sci-fi. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so they're not the characters aren't necessarily gonna you know there might be. Like they might, there might be race issues. The way that there might be discussions of race between, like, you know, white people and Native Americans, or white people and like black people around like the time of westerns. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this, you know, in this case, it's other alien races. Um, but it's all played very straight. Like it's not there's there's no like I can't believe I'm interacting with aliens. It's like they all like you're not phased by the fact that like her son's babysitter is this weird green alien you know slug thing, mm-hmm. which you know, is, is cool. It just, it's, it's, I think lived in is the way to describe this issue in the book overall. The world feels lived in, which is a great 
which is a sign of a great um, developed mythology mm-hmm. that that we can feel so comfortable in this this world that's still fairly early in its storytelling. Yeah, you know, in the first five issues were definitely, you know, they were laying out the players. Here's who we're dealing with, and now we're stepping back and taking a look at the bigger picture. Yeah. It's you know we're, we're still we're still looking at them pretty closely, but we're now looking at them in the context of this bigger world, this bigger city, um, and introducing you know introducing new conflicts, uh, which I'm really curious to see how they're going to play out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, building on things because I think in the previous arc they mentioned her ex husband or the father of her son. He's at, think, he, at the very I end of the did. last arc. Like yeah, he's they in show prison him. or something. I think like he just gets out. Or, or as just they just show them, I can't remember. And this one, obviously, the that the the guy that owns like the, the mines or whatever, um, you know, comes back into focus. Um, it sounds like the the mayor of the town might end up being the mayor's going to be. I'm curious to see because he's obviously going to be something, something. The school teacher, and then of course the guy at the on the last page that looks like a weird mutant two face. Mm-hmm. The um, the guy's brother that she like throws into jail for drunken disorderly. Yeah, yeah. I I like I that. That's gonna go. I like that. That's kind of the story she's setting up because I thought it was gonna, or that they're setting up. I thought um, it was gonna go one way based on how things ended. I was like, oh great, we're gonna have like the ex husband enter the scene. We're gonna have to deal with that, which still could happen. But yeah. for right now, they're like the story we're telling is about um, the, you know, the rich aristocrat who dislikes her because she he can't buy her. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, this gang of ruthless outlaws who, you know, she's shown that she's no nonsense. Like, this is my town. And they're going to, you know, they're like the cowboys sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't bend to law. We make the law. So, I, and I kind of take back. I, I said some things when this first came out. I was like, I don't know if I'm just burned out on space westerns or what. Um, but I'm really glad that I gave this book more time. Oh, yeah. And, and stuck out and read more of it. Uh, because I, I greatly enjoyed it. I was really looking forward to uh, to this new arc and seeing how it started and seeing what they build on, what they established um, from the first one. From the first and, time. Um, uh, sorry. I, no, I, I mean, I agree. I, I'm looking at it from issue two, and Ishmael looks pretty clearly blue, so I'm going with coloring mistake. Hmm. You know, it might be something that um, they pick up on in you know, for the next issue and they might fix it for, um, so, like the, the trade paperback. Hope somebody got fired for that blunder. <laughs> yeah. You're out of a job Yeah, for, for not coloring a guy, right? Slight coloring mistake. Push. Oh, get out of here. Um, how that, I don't know why that's reminded me. There's this, uh, web comic that I read, um, called eight bit theater that, uh, 8-bit theater. Was that the one where like it's supposed to take place in like an eight bit final fantasy game? Kind yeah. Of thing? It takes place in the first final fantasy game. Yeah. Um, and there was some really funny stuff that guy, that guy did, uh, in, in one of the issues, they kind of upgrade their class into like their super class. Um, and, uh, like the thief starts out when he first like evolves and the first time he evolves, he, he's red. Uh, mm-hmm. but then from the next issue onward, his, he's black. And in like the next issue, someone addresses like, didn't you just change your color? He's like, no, no, no. I've, you know, I've always been this way. It's like, but just a minute ago, it's like, nope. And if you go back to the previous comic, he'd actually uploaded a new one where, uh, where he changed it to black. Huh? Yeah. He always did like really funny stuff. He also had a great, um, issue where, 
uh, a character kind of like got really like meta and thought of something too like weird and then uh, it cut to like a real picture of somebody uh, in a bed hitting an alarm clock and saying that was a really weird dream and then the words the end and we were all for like a week wondering like what just happened did he just end the comic out of nowhere but it was all just a giant giant bunch of hubbalahoo who yep and now he writes um what's it called with the robot atomic robo thanks nick you're That's real helpful guy? On that. yeah oh, yeah, yeah. brian clevenger yeah oh yeah interesting mm. isn't it wonder. just but copperhead is it's it's something where it's like I'm wondering if Marvel or DC are like trying to get Scott Godaleski to work for them because he's totally that kind of artist that you like you see working on a, an independent book that I, I would think he's, a, he's got big things in his future. A major publisher would try and snatch up. Now, yeah. It could be that he's only interested in working on Copperhead, you know, which in this case I, he needs to be on the book for as long as possible. Yeah, I'm all that for that. That being said, I would love to see him. I mean, I think you know, I, I know some some independent snob might scoff at me for being like oh you want the best artist to be on the on the superhero comic books and not something more original no, but whatever yeah. i just would i think he'd just look good on something you know on anything at this point he'd look good on anything but he especially looks good on copperhead well, and i wish him a long and fruitful career well you see somebody with with talent that you enjoy and you want them to you know achieve success in working for the big two obviously they're going to achieve success um, but you also are like, you know, I really like his style. I also really like this character. I think that these two would work really well. Now, let me ask you, what uh, what DC or Marvel book would you like to see him on? If that was an option, if you had, if you were kind of making that choice. Uh, uh, I think he'd be cool in Guardians of the Galaxy. I, I had a thought about that as well. Then, I mean, based off of kind of a space westerny thing, that, that kind of works. Um uh, I guess I, I, I guess I'd be really cool to see what his rocket raccoon looks like. Hmm. Um, I mean, I could see him on Spider Man. I could see him on X Men. I mean, I really he's the kind of artist where his style could really fit in multiple ways. But he's definitely kind of in these last six issues, kind of grown as one of my uh, artists to watch. Interesting that you say like X Men because I mean he's you know used to drawing <laughs> crazy looking people. Yeah, I mean, I mean, X Men. You know, any comp, especially any superhero comic, can kind of lend itself to multiple interpretations. You can do grim and gritty Frank Miller Daredevil. You can do kind of the Mark Wade Chris Samney Daredevil. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I mean, same thing with X Men. You can, you know, you can range from Joe Madureira to Chris Bacalo to Frank Quitely. You know, and they're all X Men. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, he he would just I think he just would work on any book that they put them on uh, that they put him on. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so as I say, I could definitely see him working on Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, that might be kind of a cheat, but um, I mean, Flash. Yeah, I kind of uh, had a Flash thought too. So definitely, uh, if you want, if you're trying to go for like a clean, like defined structure, yeah, look, he definitely has that that look. Yeah. Um, he he would definitely do it. I, think uh, I, I love the way uh, with um with Boo, Boo how, how do you say his name, Boo Droxifinicus, Boo, 
Boudrox Finicus. Boudrox like, Finicus. I just yeah. really like. He kind of reminds me of Kilowog in a way. That's like the big kind of orangey or whatever mm-hmm. uh, alien guy. I but really, uh, yeah. I really like his character. I like that they're giving us little hints about him, and I want to know more. He's probably one of the characters in this that I really want to know more about. I like his. Um, I don't know if you want to call it his husband or just his partner. However, they you I, know they refer to him as his mate. But I do, I like the line where he's like like someone's at the door for for Boo and he like asks um what what was his name Lou or just gonna call him Lou um Lou to, to go loud Roxafinicus <laughs> Lou Droxafinicus, which is interesting that to, oh, I, I'm curious about their culture yeah. and why they have the same uh, suffix so, yeah it's got to be like that's gonna be like the last name. So, which is hmm. kind of interesting. Maybe like there's like Boudrox and Ludrox, and then the Ifinicus is like the suffix. But uh, I like I like how his, his partner is just like I could, but I won't. I'm your mate, not your secretary. I, yeah, I like that line a lot. And you're like, oh, drama at home. Now, like, could that be the female? Do they just like look anatomically different from mm-hmm. humans? I, I, it's possible. I got the vibe that that Lou was a guy. Was was a guy. There's, I, th- I mean, I don't, I don't, maybe in earlier issues they show female booze or whatever his actual races, but um, I think he's, I he's native it, to Copperhead. I'm pretty sure. I, it's, yeah, you know, what, now, now I'm not. I, I got a vibe that that it was a guy. There's something just guyish about him. I don't know. But um, I'm trying, I'm trying to look around. So one, one, one thing, but, real quick. But yeah. or, uh, while you're kind of going off on that, um, back on the scene when they show uh, the like nanny watching the TV, mm-hmm. there's two Arties on the TV, and they both kind of have that uh, grapefruit color. Yeah, I noticed that too. But I, I mean, I'm wondering if they just opted to change it, and they're not going to like reference it, hmm. uh, or maybe their skin changes color. I like that TV design though, the panel of glass. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. That is that is cool. I'm trying. Yeah, but I mean, they show the other Artie, and he's he's blue skin. Maybe the Arties come in different colors, but I'm, I mean, but Ishmael was Ishmael previously was, established was as yeah. blue, and now no, he's. I get what you're saying. So I kind of want to reach out to Jay Faber on like Twitter or something, and just be like, was that a coloring mistake or is that intentional? See, now I'm probably gonna do it once the show's over. Um, but anyway, back to the gender of giant um dog aliens. I don't know. It's really hard to determine. Yeah, maybe they'll expand on it in in the future. But, but yeah, yeah. I, I mean, just overall, like this, it's such a beautifully drawn book. The characters are interesting. Um, I mean, just top notch quality all around. It really, yeah, it really is. You know, I thought that people were kind of over hyping it before it came out, um, and you know, maybe even still so. Like, there's just so much hype around this book. But I would say at this point, all of that is really well deserved. Mm-hmm. Um, excitement. It's exciting. Copperhead. 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 Other comics. Other comics. Uh, Lots of Descender. We've probably got uh, room for maybe one or two more to talk about. Well, uh, Jupiter's Circle came out. Jupiter's Circle did come out. And uh, first, I want my to give condolences to Wilfredo Torres. Uh, I know that his wife passed away recently. Very sad. Um, and I should have had the link up in preparation for this, but there is way there are ways for people to donate. Um, um, and we can talk about the comic a little bit as I find that particular link. Yeah, yeah, no, please do. That's that's I didn't even know about that. That's great. Um, so yeah, this is the prequel to 
uh, Jupiter's Legacy, which is uh, not finished. Um, and I have a feeling that we're going to get to the end of this before we get to the end of Jupiter's Legacy. <laughs> well, I think this this is 12 issues long, mm-hmm. and it's intended for Jupiter's Legacy to pick up, to start, start again once this finishes. So this could really? take us potentially through for the next year. Oh, my gosh. And, and then we'll jump back into the future with... Uh... Uh... Okay. Jupiter's anyway. Legacy. <laughs> anyway. Um, so one thing about Jupiter's Circle, if you were like, hey, I did not read Jupiter's Legacy, uh, but I kind of want to read this, go back and at least read the first issue of Jupiter's Legacy. Because mm-hmm. um, one thing that especially in this is that it just it starts throwing a whole bunch of people at you. And... Even like someone who's read, you know, Jupiter's Legacy, I I had to sort of stop myself and be like, wait a minute, do I remember this guy? A couple of them, yes. A couple of others, I, like you. Well, you remember, you remember sure. the Utopian. You remember his yeah, wife, his who wife. I can't think of her then, name. Um, his, Grace. His, yeah, I don't and remember. The, but the the guy with the the his his bolt his yeah the muscle that's his that's his brother. That's um, that's the Utopian's brother. Uh, no, George, no, um, or Walter. Walt Walter's brother, but Walter's not Blue Bolt. Oh, Blue Bolt, oh. They, they actually do. Blue Bolt's kind of the center of this issue. Mm-hmm. Um, Blue Bolt's the uh, secretly gay guy. Blue Bolt's the, the who? Yeah, he's the secret the secretly well, gay guy. Sorry, but yeah, but you Walter, said like the guy who had like the bolt on him. The only one that has anything like that is Walter. Walt, Walter Walter has the the pencil mustache. He does have the creepy creepy mustache. And it's like huh, he's not a bad guy. Yeah. Well, Walter has like the thing that has like the. The like the heart life rate sign monitor, yeah. On it, um, I wonder how well they thought through these. Uh, some of these costumes are kind of. It's almost like they're they're more like they're like superhero costumes, like silver agey so superhero costumes, but also like Power Rangers, they or all, like King Arthur and the Knights of, of Justice. Or yeah, something. they're very colorful, color coordinated. But lots of uh, which I mean, they all got their powers together, so I mean, it kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um. But anyway, you were talking about um about Blue Bolt. Um Yeah, I mean oh I I mean I recognize Grace, the wife, uh Utopian's wife. I remember, I recognize the Utopian, I recognize Walter. Yeah, those are the three um, that I definitely was like, okay, I remember I, those guys. But I don't remember who the guy with the fox symbol is, and I don't remember Blue Bolt. You know, I really don't well, think at least those two guys were even remotely prominent in the first five issues. The power rod, is that the rod that um what's his name has? I can't even remember. The the guy um, who was supposed to be like the son of like the world's greatest villain. Maybe maybe Blue Bolt becomes the world's greatest villain. See that well that's what I'm thinking. Like some of these have to become villains, because as far as we know, these are the only people with superpowers. Yeah. At this time. And then they fight aliens. Yes. Know, so I mean obviously the the the, the method in which they received it. Maybe we just need to like go back and read Jupiter's legacy. <laughs> if I can even find all my issues in the same yeah, place. I have to dig through my long box for that. Well, oh, it started in 2013. Yeah. At least one of those is in Phoenix. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Jupiter's legacy has been trying to complete longer than you've been married. This is true. Um, this is correct. It, yeah, you know, it, it, if anything, it kind of makes me it makes me want to go back and read Jupiter's Legacy because I'm just like, do I actually care enough about any of these characters to want to read this? It's an interesting angle. Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of doing a, a, a Mad Men meets like kind of Justice League, Justice League Unlimited kind of vibe, like especially with the artwork. Mm-hmm. It's very like kind of that DC animated universe uh, animation feel. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, it's trying to give off the sort of sort of quaint, um, nostalgic like period of its uh, you know, of its time period. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, it's dealing with you know things that are obviously going on back then, but at least in popular media was you know very shush, shush, shush about like dealing with blue bolts uh, closeted homosexuality. So it's an interesting route to take. Um, but like, like kind of like I was saying before, I, I'm not. I'm interested in the concept that they're trying that they're they're exploring, but I don't necessarily care about the characters. Mm-hmm. At least, like you're right. Like I feel like you have you'd have to at least read Jupiter's Legacy to appreciate this even the slightest, because going in cold turkey, like just sort of taking this as its own you know package, it's sort of like like I you know. It could just be like some any writer coming up and be like, "Oh, I'm going to explore superheroes in the 1950s." You know, specifically like one of them is going to be gay, and we're going to explore you know how his, you know how him being in the closet you know affects the, the social dynamics of the team or the world or something like that. Like what happens when a superhero comes out as gay in the 1950s? You know, just like but like any writer. But yet this is ta- this is taking place within the context of the Jupiter's legacy world. So, but the, my long-winded version of what I'm trying to get at is. I, it's been so long between reading issues of Jupiter's Legacy that like I feel like as someone who's read that book going into this, I should have a stronger appreciation of these these characters who are older in Legacy, you know. But in this case, you know, I I I haven't quite grown. I haven't I haven't come to appreciate them yet. Mm-hmm. So in which case, it's an interesting concept, but it it it's not it has it didn't it hasn't quite hit home for me yet. Yeah, it's you, you. You can kind of see where they're going with this issue, um, where up until now everything has been really great, and they're kind of getting everything that they want except for uh, you know the blue bolt, who, you know, has had has had some issues, um, but you know all that's been secret. And now, like now, you're going to start having stuff kind of coming to the light, and you know the president's going to start using him to try and infiltrate and get all this information. Well, well this is before. For Hoover's president, right? Because oh. he says he's the head of the CIA. Right, right, right. Well, okay. So, eventual President Hoover um, is going to try and get you know like this information out of him. And I'm interested. I'm curious, but it's kind of like you said. Like, there's not really a lot there right now. Mm-hmm. It's definitely it's you know it's dropping into our laps, and it's like, hey, we really hope that you already know a lot, and we hope that you remember a bunch of stuff. Like, good yeah. luck. Like, remember those characters that we kind of, like, sort of kind of spoilers killed off in, like, the first three issues of Jupiter's Legacy, of which there's only five issues, of which took two years to release? Yeah, we're going to now send it, give you a book that details their their lives. Yeah, and, and also, like, one thing, and this was even, like, kind of an issue I had with Jupiter's Legacy, was the establishment of, um, of like, who has superpowers and like what's like the bigger you know the bigger galactic world it's all kind of very loosely defined we're told when this starts like there's no superheroes you know things are completely normal and then you know they find this island and they all get superpowers and in this it's like they're fighting a giant space squid with like we don't we like we really just we don't really know a lot about this world mm. um, well i mean like you you do know go, going as far back as i think the great depression when they get their powers um, that you know that they get them through some mysterious island with some mysterious you know the, the island turns out to be like a spaceship or something and they mm-hmm. get them from some aliens um, so there is you know con- there is a, a mythology in place that, that would lend itself to 
to, yeah. to the existence of aliens. But, of course, so there's something about sort of like this the squid monster or whatever that that seems or octopus monster that seems kind of like beneath the level of of what they're doing ambition like they're trying to do like the yeah. island with these aliens like it's kind of metaphysical right you know it was kind of when they got dropping it. an octopus on it is just kind of like i feel like it's, it's it doesn't fit with the world that they were creating because right. well, yeah, when, when they got the powers like we can finally fix the world we can you know we can move forward with stuff we can be these symbols of hope and it's like now we're fighting a giant squid um and then we're gonna go hang out in the hall of justice from the you know the super friends yeah, um, and I'm still really confused. Did other people find the island? Because there's like six of them, but they end up there ends up being like at least a hundred or so with superpowers later. Like, do these people just start breeding like rabbits out of nowhere? Well, I, I mean, they do have you know in that time period they could they definitely could have some kids, mm-hmm. um, and those kids could have kids. Um, so that but it didn't could play a role. It didn't seem like at least in Jupiter's Legacy, it seemed like these were all second generation heroes. Yeah. It, it's hard, you know, I mean, especially like the, the utopian kids, um, uh, Chloe and, and Brandon. the other guy, Brandon, yeah. you know, <laughs> Brandon, um, you know, like they, they're, they're second generation, you know, but they're coming from the originals, but I don't know. I mean, obviously, you know, Chloe and Brandon seem much, you know, they're, they're fairly young, you know, in present day. So obviously the utopian and his wife waited a long time to have the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. It's it's hard to hard hard to put. Jupiter's Legacy is different from that book where maybe when it's all said and done in ten years, that we'll like be able to put our thumb on it and be like, all right, I get it. I understand where this fits in context. Because with Jupiter's Legacy, because you only got five issues, because that you know each issue wasn't super dense with content. Mm-hmm. Um, it you know it's we don't necessarily we i feel like we've only been teased about this world like oh here's this sherlockian villain guy and then oh like walter's a dick um you know but like we obviously i never got the vibe that like squid squid aliens or what octopus aliens or whatever you know would exist on this world Mm -hmm. so it you know i just feel like that when this is all said and done and maybe when we get back in the jupiter's legacy it'll feel like the world it's just like almost the opposite of Copperhead. This world doesn't feel lived in yet. I feel like it, for me, it, I, I'm it's, not it's, immersed in we're it. We're always kind of seeing the fringes of it. Yeah, we're not. It, it hasn't like it hasn't roped us in yet. The way like there's something like there's something about it, and maybe it's Mark Miller's clear animal magnetism that makes us keep coming back for more. There's something there. Yeah, but but. I'm, but I'm, not, I'm not willing to use the words uh, animal magnetism and Mark Millar like he, together. Okay, fine. We, you know what? You don't have to. Um, but, oh, um, before we move away from Jupiter's Legacy, no, the first I just wanted to mention... What? The first volume of Jupiter's Legacy came out today. Anyway. Um, Sorry, Jupiter's Circle. Um, yeah. I just wanted to reiterate that um, the, the Wilfredo Torres, the artist of Jupiter's Circle, you know, his wife passed away from cancer recently. Mm. Um, I'm looking for, there is a seven day art auction on eBay. Um, the hash, you can hashtag Torres benefit T O R R E S benefit. Um, or sorry, it's, it was initially a seven day art auction. Uh, it's blue. It, apparently there, you can, you can still continue to contribute to it. Um, but hashtag Torres benefit, 
uh, if you want to donate um, to to help them with, I mean, presumably medical bills, uh, funeral expenses, living costs, things like that. Um, that that is available. Um, so, um, oh, F has this F. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, so there's like a PayPal account um, that you can donate to. You can check it out on like comic book resources, Bleeding Cool, Newsarama, mm-hmm. uh, find, or Google it and find links to it. Um, but I mean, you know, I'll say one thing that the art in Jupiter's Circle was very good. Had a um, uh, a Chris Sprouse uh, who's done some work with Alan Moore uh, vibe, very clean. You know, definitely fits in sort of the the, the Bruce Tim animated universe vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, definitely the artwork was a highlight of it. Um, so anyway, definitely uh, you know if you want, pay your respects to Wilfredo Torres and, and help him through this tough time. Yeah. No, thank you for uh, thank you for plugging that. And you know the art very different from Frank Quitely, but you know I think probably going different was good for this book. Yeah, exactly. You wouldn't you don't necessarily want to you know it would be cool to just get more Frank Quitely, um, but I think artistically it was you know a good way to go. Yep. All right. We, um, well, let me look at the time here. Uh, you know we can quickly let's talk quickly about uh, I would say Howard the Duck two. It was right. funny. It was funny. Uh, do you have any other thoughts on it? <laughs> it was funny. Uh, I like the follow-up to uh, the Spider-Man gag from the beginning. That was so great. Um, you know, the, the, the brunt of the issue is them um, trying to escape from the Collector's stronghold. Um, well, Howard the Duck getting roped up in a Guardians of the Galaxy plot. Um, it's, it's weird Which that I there's still a thought lot was of gags. But... There's a lot of random stuff in it, but then there there's el- like the like the scene when they drop him back off on Earth and and Howard the Duck's like pissed that they they left some of the the prisoners behind. Mm-hmm. Like the that's just like it really struck as honest, you know. Mm-hmm. Like you're getting so carried away with the humor uh, and the gags, and then the book kind of it they're not just selling for just an LOL random like. There's actually something. There's an actual genuine heart to this book. Not only that, but that Howard the Duck isn't just—he's not just a curmudgeon, curmudgeonly duck. There's sort of a redeemable, like he actually, on some level, cares about his fellow man. Mm-hmm. You know, approach to him. Um, that I just that that scene really hit home for me. You know, kind of having you know Rocket Raccoon, I think, was just written very well uh, as was they played off each other. Um, yeah. So it's not just a gag book. There's there there are gags, but there's there's a real story, you know, about Howard being told here. And I, I think that's, yeah. that's really cool. And of course, just going back to the, the cosmic, the Cosmicon, did you, did you kind of pour over that page? And yeah. You know, I took a, I took a few minutes and looked through it. I like the Galactus is there. I thought that was great. <laughs> Galactus is there. I like the, where it says Dax Moon, star of the apprentice Herald, Cree Willie. Cree Willie, Cree Willie triple X or 30. Triple, it, was, it was really oh, hard Cree to really triple X. Okay. That could be dirty. Yeah. Uh, Brood, where's makeover. my car? Yeah. And symbiote makeover. I thought just stuff like that was, was kind of funny. Yeah. Nor in rad boards. No, they're definitely, uh, uh, we'll design <laughs> any planet for you despite copyright issues. Um, Star action, Admiral trap with scared flailing motion. They're definitely, you know, there definitely was some really funny stuff, uh, in this book. And I, I think, um, you know, you were saying like there were some really honest moments, which there were. I don't want to detract from that. But having the Guardians of the Galaxy be in issue number two did feel a little gaggy to me. 
where it's like, hey, these guys are really popular. Instead of like taking some time uh, to you know establish Howard the Duck on his own and his role in New York City, let's just yank him out of here and have him go hang out with the Guardians for an issue. Which like if this was like issue number six, I totally would have been fine with that, you know. But we were just getting ready to establish, uh, you know, who he was, what he, what he's doing. But just out of nowhere, we take this side trip. But then it leads to one of the greatest single cliffhangers in the history of comic books, where the gun totting Aunt May. Yeah, why is Aunt May holding up a tattoo parlor? Give me all your freaking money, or I'll freaking drop you, dear. That was pretty. That's that's pretty funny. Um, and I, you know, I, I would say maybe for the Spider-Man Uncle Ben, oh God, why gag, and then like him uh, sleeping in front of a uh, can um, like a, the, an a altar, memorial. like an alt, yeah, a memorial altar for Howard the Duck. Which I want to know where he got that picture of him. Also, um, right. <laughs> don't think about it. Don't like, think about it. Yeah, the whole the whole gag in that, like, you know, I thought was really great. And I don't want to say that I didn't like this issue because I did. I did think it was funny. It did have that great, you know, I know, moment. I know. The, uh, the galley, the capitalizing on the guardians and their their very minimal tangential relationship to Howard the Duck because he appeared in a post credit scene. Yeah, and um, what was also I was going to say? Oh, one thing that I texted you about that really bothered me is three different characters in this book uh, at some point went oh for like there was a oh for the love of god but then like stopped and it i don't, I don't know it's, it just bothers me that three different characters who are supposed to be like very distinct and different were all talking the same way and it's like all had the same expression within this short amount of time true 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 that's just like that's just you know that's just to me <laughs> oh for yeah i just caught one not 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 a great moment of writing. Um, I'm sorry, Zadarsky. Don't don't come to my house. I really enjoy everything else you do, I, and I enjoy this. I don't want to suddenly sound like oh, this late little slip up in the writing was terrible. But I really loved. Uh, I also you know to mention a highlight of the book when um, the you know they they talk to the computer after they find out that uh, Rocket has shaved a map of the facility into his fur. Yeah. It's like, couldn't you have just asked the the computer to tell you where it was? And he's yeah. like, huh, I guess you're right. Drax spent so, so much time on it, though. I don't know why. That, that... that was funny. I also like the, the cable squirrel that you see uh, oh, when, they're yes! all, when they're laying all the yes. prisoners out. Oh, man. It was like a little cable squirrel. Yes. I was like, that's perfect. Oh, that was really funny. I was wondering, like, is, you know, is she going to go to Squirrel Girl? Are they going to be best friends? <laughs> right. Yeah. Tippy toe. Yeah, and, uh, Cable Squirrel. Cable. I also liked um, Star Lord naming the ship CI Sit. Oh no no no! It's it Kit. Like... That see that's a bigger joke. The what? Uh, Kit is the old robot from. Um... Is that Knight Rider? Knight Rider. Yeah. Well, it... it's with a C though. Yeah, I mean they're you know they're making a big joke about it. Oh, I didn't know that. Because I think Kit. Hmm. Um, I'm gonna up here. Yeah, Kit was K I T T. Yeah. So. Oh, so maybe maybe it maybe is cool interstellar cool interstellar travel travel ship. <laughs> Acronyms are hard. Idiot. It, it, of course, they're 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 doing uh, man child Star Lord, but whatever. Um, In a book like this, it works. Yeah. No. So I mean, Howard the Duck has you know it's phenomenal artwork, some great gags, some honest heart, some slip ups in the writing department, but Are overall. We- uh, with that cliffhanger like that, it's got me on to issue number three for sure. Are we going to ever get sick of uh, random passerbys pointing out that he's a talking duck? I don't think so. Um, 
What was I going to say? I also really like a talking duck that talks to itself. Just finished Howard the Duck number one and loved it. Gerard Way. Who's Gerard Way and why the F is he doing on my cover? Howard the Duck. Um, <laughs> did you did you uh, see Hickman doing his last police uh, run or his, his last police gag? Hickman? Um, I think it was Hickman. Uh, and what? On what book? Wait. Who's running Avengers right now? Is that Hickman or Bendis? Hickman? Jonathan Hickman. Yeah, Hickman. Like several times in his run, they cut to a police station, and there's people in costumes getting arrested, saying really oh, crazy no, things. Oh no, Bendis. What? It, Bendis and Ultimate Spider-Man did that. Does that? Oh, is that what it was? Okay. They, thought... Yeah, they jump to the police station. There's always someone yelling something. Oh, oh, okay. Because the one who was getting arrested today was was Hickman. That's why. Oh, was it? Yeah, and uh, and like, I, I flipped through it in the comic shop, but I, I didn't look too closely at it. Two people in the background. Uh, one of them was uh, Bendis. I don't remember. I think who was the artist on it? Uh, David Marquez. I think it may have been. Uh, yeah, the two of them shaking hands as cops. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They've shown up, or at least yeah, maybe it's been Marquez and I know Bendis has shown up as a cop in in Ultimate Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Um, but that that's funny that that that's Hickman saying that. Yeah. Anyway. No, definitely uh, good stuff, and there's even you know some other good stuff that we just didn't get the time to talk about mm-hmm. this week, which is sad. I'm always sad when we don't get to talk about Saga, but you know we got to move on. We got other stuff. We have other obligations. There's other things out there. Yes, but Nick, before we get to the news, no. Yeah, that's right. You thought you were going to escape it. I oh no. Okay. Oh, all, all right. right. I can do this. All right. So, uh, you know, in honor of convergence sort of officially starting uh this week i only read one convergence book so if you're uh if you fail this quiz your family is going to be taken uh and put on a planet under a dome where they will live without superpowers uh for an entire year and probably die because they don't have food or something Uh, okay if you fail to pass this batman and robin quiz okay I will try. This is a quiz about the series of Batman and Robin. Starting with the Dick Grayson era? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, there goes one of my questions. Just (laughs) kidding, sucker. Oh, man. Yeah. But your first question is, uh, what year did the Batman and Robin ongoing start? Um... 2010 2009 really yeah i actually was thinking 2011 nope and i was like no that i think that there's been more time than that well 2011 that that original grant morrison frank quietly book was in 2009 Mm -hmm. dude we're old yeah anyway what are you gonna do uh die yeah probably so the first volume uh, if you were to collect it in trade paperback, is simply called Batman and Robin. However, it is made up of three separate three-issue arcs. Name one of those arcs. Um, it's not Batman. The Circus of Crime. And the second one was the Red Hood arc. So it was. Oh man, because those books, those each arc had like a distinctive title. Second arc was the Red Hood. Was it Batman and Robin versus the Red Hood? Was it the Red Hood Strikes? Was it just the Red Hood? Was that under the hood? Uh, and then the first. Well, the first one was 
Um, bet the Circus of Crime. Is that your final answer? Yes. No. They were Batman Reborn, Revenge of the Red Hood, and Blackest Night. Blackest Night spelled with a K. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna go ahead and throw you a uh, an easy one here. Get me back on the board. Yeah. Uh, what character or villain was first introduced in the first volume? Uh, the frog guy. Well, well, okay, not who I was looking for, but I the, guess yes. The frog guy does count. The frog guy does count. Someone else in the first. Oh, oh, Professor Pig. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, got it. Yeah. Good for you. I did it. Uh, let's see. So, sticking on that first arc here, uh, we'll see what you can remember. The first uh, three issues were penciled by Frank Quitely. The next three by Philip Tan, who penciled the Blackest Night arc issues seven through nine. Cameron Stewart. That is correct. All right, you are, are we half and half here? You're a two for two. Okay. All right, so I can't ask you anything about uh, Patrick Leeson or Peter Tomasi because you're going to know. And that's... Oh, I follow them daily. Yeah, no, you know too much because I was going to maybe ask you about uh, what what comic they worked on previously together, but you would know that. Green Lantern Corps. Yep, see, that's why I couldn't ask you. Or you could have asked me and I could have gotten the question right and saved my family. Oh, no. I have to make sure horrible things happen to them. Um, all right. Hold on. Hold your horses. Uh, I will attempt. Okay. In what issue did Bruce Wayne take over again as Batman? In the Batman and Robin book. Um, issue 16. Nope. 18? Nope. 21? No. 22? <laughs> 23, 24? No, no. Crap. I thought there weren't that many issues of it. There weren't. Uh, but... Because he comes back in, at the end... Or they just reveal that he's no, he comes back because the the return of Bruce Wayne is happening concurrently mm -hmm. with the book. What issue is it? It is actually issue number one of the New Fifty Two. Wait, what? Because for a while, for a while, it remains uh, Dick Grayson as Batman in Batman and Robin. Wait, even in the when when Peter Tomasi and Patrick Gleason do. Take over? They didn't take over until New Fifty Two. No, they took over before. They did three issues called Black uh Dark Knight versus White Knight or something or Dark Knight, White Knight. Well let, But I no, can't remember if it was Bruce Wayne or well, or Dick Grayson. I'm pretty sure, like I think I remember um I thought it was what issue Bruce Wayne comes back, like sorry, back from the dead. No no no, I said what episode what issue he takes over again as Batman in Batman and Robin. But he he comes back. Well, I think that like they launched New Fifty Two. It's like, all right, well, Bruce Wayne's back as Batman, so he's now the star of Batman and Robin. But, but Patrick Gleason and, uh, and as far as, as far did as their do. as far as their team up though, where it was Bruce Wayne and Damian, it wasn't until the New Fifty Two. 
Yes. It was, it was Bruce Dick, Wayne. Sorry, I was confused. Yeah. I thought your question was about when he came back into the picture. No, no. Like post-return of Bruce Wayne. Let the record show if the uh, court stenographer would please read back my question. Do we no. not have one of those? I thought we had one of those. Oh. Apparently we, we don't. It's in the budget. This is rather disappointing. Oh, we oh, shouldn't have spent boy. it on all those drugs. <sighs> that was our first problem. But drugs are so addicting. <laughs> Let's talk about news. 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 Oh, by the way, apparently my family's all going to die. Oh, yeah. No, really sorry about that. Um, yeah, apparently some of the uh, the Convergence books were actually pretty interesting as far as what people were like without their powers. Um, like Harley Quinn was sane. Mm -hmm. Hmm. And like started dating a guy long term, but then like the when the like the bubble lifted, she was still normal, and so uh, Poison Ivy and uh, Catwoman forced her to take like crazy pills, literally, so she'd be insane again. That's weird. It is weird. I'm actually huh. that. Yeah, I don't know. I maybe if I get some time this week, I'll read some of the other Convergence titles. See what's going on there. You're a Convergence title. See what it was like where. Uh, um, the Flash couldn't run fast. So wait, everyone, everyone's lost their powers in Convergence. Yep, the whole storyline is that, or the whole thing was that people without, like anybody who had superpowers, did not have superpowers for an entire year. Because they were in the bubbles. Yep, because they were in the domes. So for Batman and Robin, like things were pretty much the same. Poison Ivy was actually helping to save everyone because she was like gardening this giant park. Mm -hmm. And, you know, getting food for people. But, okay. like, you know, uh, Black Mask and um, what's his name? Killer Croc. Like, we're all, like, the same. And they were still wandering around Gotham. So Batman and Robin kept operating as they normally would. But, like, okay. in, over in Superman, he didn't have powers. He, like, I guess he was putting on, like, a ninja outfit and fighting crime. Okay. Yeah. All right. I know. It's a little more interesting, right? Right. Yeah. That anyway. Anyway, over in Newsland, Newsland, uh, IDW and DC have announced that there will be a Star Trek Green Lantern crossover. It's what we all wanted. It's, you know, the, the Star Trek uh, property will pretty much cross over with anyone. <laughs> At this point. No, I mean, they, they I don't just cross over for any boys. They crossed over for with Doctor Who a while back. They just finished up their crossover with Planet of the Apes. And now they're doing Green Lantern. I mean, they're, you know, they're the property at the party that's going to go home with anyone. <laughs> well, Stop. don't it's, do you that know, in our listeners' it's, ears. It's, what? Don't do that in our listeners' ears, Nick. What? The Yanni? Yes. They love it. Um, I, it's, it's funny because it feels like it's, that actually works. In a weird way, it Star does. Trek meets Green Lantern totally works. Yeah, this was announced uh, during WonderCon. Um, it's being written by Mike Johnson, who's written multiple, uh, Star Trek and DC comics in recent years is going to be, uh, behind it. It's, uh, it's interesting. It, like, it, yeah, like you said, it's one of those things where it makes a, you know, a lot more sense than you'd think it would. Right. Like nobody's going to like, nope. I mean, somebody probably was sitting around and saying this would be a great idea. But, you know, you weren't in your comic shop before and were like, you know what would be really awesome? If Star Trek and Green Lantern would just hang out. Uh, but now that it's happening... Hal Jordan and Captain Kirk. 
uh, womanizing all over the galaxy. So we, before I got on the show, my friend Andrew was trying to was trying to insist that Hal Jordan and Cyclops are similar. Mm, in ways. In what way? So everyone thinks you now people might not like Hal Jordan, but everyone thinks that he's the coolest. He's the guy that walks into a bar and all the ladies notice and and he's reckless and he he he's brash and he's okay. overly confident. Okay, we have Cyclops. Okay, we Cyclops. have hmm? one thing we have to address here is you're like raging hard on for Cyclops. Yeah, no, but but here's the thing. My defense for Cyclops is that he's not as cool as Hal Jordan as far as like he's not a hothead. Hal Jordan's a hothead. Cyclops is a stick in the mud. He's a he's a working stiff. He's underappreciated, you know. And and he walks into a bar, and if anything, people are gonna at least underestimate him before he kicks it. But well, he's he's probably gonna be the DD. But I would say sort of in their inherent leadership qualities, <laughs> and in their Cyclops, uh, the eternal designated driver. Yeah, like but I would say like in their their leadership qualities and the fact they both have brown hair. Sure. Put a visor on Hal Jordan, and he's like you wouldn't even notice the difference, man. Uh, no, I, I get, I get how you're saying they're not, but I could see in some ways how they might be. I don't know. I don't know, man. Yeah, yeah, anyway. yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not feeling it. <laughs> so there's a little bit more uh, to the story that I've forgotten about. Uh, set in Star Trek's 23rd century, the balance of the universe will be tested when the Green Lantern Corps' power rings come into possession of certain Star Trek characters, while a dark and powerful evil looms around every corner. Only the combined power of the Green Lantern Corps and the Federation stand any chance of stopping those who worship evil's might. So it's not just like, oh, they come across each other and have to deal with it. It's like somebody on the Enterprise is getting a ring. But who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? Probably Captain Kirk. I don't know. He, he, like, he, he's very much a Hal Jordan-esque character. He would get a ring. Yeah, it's funny because the character designs are totally uh, Abrams movie characters. True. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It does, it does take place in the... Um, in the Abrams um, universe? In the, the Abrams universe, That's yeah. Cool. Uh, they show a Klingon with a yellow ring, so... Hmm. I don't yeah, know. I could right. see willpower. I could see that being Spock. Spock. Well, no, Spock has willpower. Sure. I, I mean, I, I think a lot of them could get it. I don't, you know, they might do yellow lanterns. I don't think they're going to do like blue or, or red lanterns as yeah, well. I don't, I don't think they'll get too crazy. Yeah. So that's why, I mean, I, I think if they're only getting green lantern rings, then we're like, you know, sure. Like Kirk and Spock would probably get lantern rings. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. But it's something that, you know, I, I've never really read a Star Trek comic before. But, you know, when this is in trade paperback, I will probably read it. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm going to make a statement right now. When this is in trade paperback, I'm definitely going to read this. I'm going to uh, hold you to it. Yeah, no, it's cool because I have until I die to accomplish that. I'm not setting a date on this. <laughs> <laughs> Someday before I die. Exactly. That's as much commitment as I can give this. Just like our, our Constantine. Oh, man. Uh, ooh, hey, look at this. Uh, Entertainment Weekly has shown us what the vision is going to look like. In complete full glory. Yeah, so if you're trying to avoid like the last little bit of spoilers from Age of Ultron, do not look at Entertainment Weekly this month. Or this week. Weekly. What, yeah, I'm so smart. 
I don't to, look at Entertainment Weekly until you go see the movie. There we go. I'm disappointed they did this. I mean, it was bound to happen. Um, but they did so well at not showing us. Yeah, I mean, they show, like, we, we knew what his face looked like. And to be honest, like, I, I'd walk into my Newberry comics and um, they have, like, those little pop figures with the big heads, basically, like the bobblehead guys. And um, I they had a vision one. So I for basically. Age of knew Ultron what he already? Like. What? For, already for, like, Age of Ultron? Yeah, yeah. Like, they already have Age of Ultron toys out there. Wow. So, I mean, if you look far, if you look around, like, they've shown the old they've shown vision in like full form full form <laughs> maybe not you know this is like exactly what he's going to look like in the movie um but i mean he his image has been out there like the full image in one form or the other we've caught like hints of it but i hadn't seen like a full like full-on full frontal vision well you've lasted longer than most that's true i mean everybody wants some full frontal vision in their life <laughs> but now now I've seen it. I can never unsee I think, it. I think for me, it, uh, well, I mean, the vision in Scarlet Witch used to be married and presumably had relations. Mm, gross. Robot mutant relations. Is that like um, uh, Krillin and Android uh, 17 on Dragon Ball Z? Yeah. You know what? I guess that kind of works. And weirdly enough, I've been kind of reading the Dragon Ball Z manga. Really? Like I, I bought like a volume or two on Comixology a long time ago, and I like I had it on my phone, and I was downloading another comic, but I already had DBZ downloaded, mm-hmm. so I was just like, well, let me read this while the other one's downloading, and I got you know I don't know up to like uh, Raditz, um, you know, showing up and being like, yo Goku, you're my brother. Um, Spoilers. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's been out for like two decades. Um, that's crazy but it's it's actually fun like i mean i remember watching it as a kid and um you know being into it even though it took like forever for things to happen see that's why uh go ahead no no it it, but it's it's like i'm kind of reading i'm like on one hand i feel like i'm past the age where i could truly appreciate this but on the other hand this is kind of fun yeah um there's this cut that came out a while ago uh i think it's called dragon ball z kai or maybe just dragon ball kai uh, which they took out all of the filler. Mm-hmm. So it's just like the straight story. I think it's like, it's less than a hundred episodes. Um, which How many the, episodes was the other one. Uh, see now, now I'm going to look this up. Uh, well, cause this is definitely a path we want to go down. Yeah. Um, and and what, I, one thing that I, I find that I think is so funny is that, you know, a lot of the characters, you know, their names, like, like Goku's Saiyan name is Kakarot, which is Carrot. Carrot. Uh, Raditz is radish. Chichi, uh, Bulma, yeah. But I mean, I'm just, I'm just wondering, like, you know, that's. I'm assuming Kakarot. I don't know. Is that like the the, the Japanese word for carrot? I so I mean, when, when a Japanese person is reading this book, like, are they actually going like, oh, and radish is is calling his brother carrot, mm-hmm. you know, or Bulma, or, or are they calling Bulma bra? So, uh, so Dragon Ball Z had, um. 291 episodes holy crap i know let me see like what i can find out about dragon ball kai because wikipedia was suddenly not helpful um i just want to see how many there were uh this might help me ah. so uh okay so now they're now they're getting into the boo saga um which was pretty late in um like the storyline. Yeah, that's, about, that's near the end. Yeah, so it's about 150 announced. Like, are they still working on Dragon Ball Kai? They are. I thought, th- I, I 
thought they'd only, I thought they'd stopped, but I guess they're still going. Interesting. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm looking at the, 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 the origins of names like Saiyan mm -hmm. in Japanese. Saya is formed by rearranging the syllables of the Japanese word Yasai, which means vegetable. Hmm. So, you know, and all the characters have vegetable names. Cool. Um, so, so maybe, you know, this is, this is kind of, um, okay. So it's going to be 167 episodes in total. Which is and, over and the original less. Dragon Ball Z was two hundred something, two ninety one. So it's almost one hundred and thirty less. So almost three hundred episodes versus like one hundred and eighty episodes. Yep. Interesting. Oh man. Okay, we got to try and claw our way out of this rabbit hole here. But, Ooh, that... but people want to know our thoughts on Dragon Ball Z. That's it was... what they came here for. Was... Did you ever watch Dragon Ball GT? I didn't because I heard like people kind of describe GT as like the fan fiction follow up where things just got really weird. Which I'm Isn't sure. It, but wasn't it also by Akira Toriyama? Was it? I, I mean, I think he had some involvement in it, but I don't know for sure. I don't know. I, but other comics. Other. I, I, I'm gonna keep reading DBZ. I also had like the first two volumes of Dragon Ball, but I might so I oh, might read dude, those as well. Dragon Ball is Dragon Ball is strange. It's, it's different. Some weird stuff. Yeah. It's oddly, like oddly sexual. Okay. Not, I mean, like, not like for, towards little kids because that's frightening. Um, but I just mean like, there's like a lot more nudity than you're expecting. In uh, like the manga. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Anyway, uh, where were we here? Uh, so other news, because um, we're talking about comics. Apparently, Age of Ultron will have no post-credit scene. Uh yeah, you know. Um... Thank you for letting us know so we didn't sit in the theater the whole time. Yeah. Um, but... They haven't really been doing post-credit scenes for a while, I feel like. Well, they've been doing them, but it's not, like, since Avengers. They've been no, more... like, in Avengers, they you know they had the mid... Like, they said there will be a mid-credits. Yeah, they do, they do the tags. more for mid-credits with, with, with end credits kind of being, like, a gag. You know, Guardians right. of the Galaxy was Howard the Duck. The, in Iron Man 3, it was... Bruce Banner and Tony Stark talking. There's the shawarma scene. It was just like there was Thor flying back and kissing Jan, uh, Jane, and then there was like the, the monster, the giant thing monster, yeah. And then Captain America, I think, was just Bucky looking at the Captain America exhibit. I don't. Was that at the very end? I don't. I don't even know. If I that think was it was at the very credits. end. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. You go to the end of the credits, and it's just him looking at it. Hmm. So it's like they're not. Whereas, like, um, well, in Avengers, the the final scene was the shawarma scene. Yeah. Um, so I mean, they they have been doing kind of more mid credits if they're going to do something. That mm -hmm. was really pre Avengers, where it, like it was kind of building story beats. Yeah. So I think that's that's fine. It sounds like so much is going on in in the Avengers the movie itself. Yep. It's not going to be necessary. No, I yeah, and I totally and I'm totally fine with them kind of letting it be its thing and then maybe teasing a little bit more about the universe, mm -hmm. but not being like, oh man, now we're going to introduce the next big story beat. Um, you know, in the post in the post credits, it's just kind of letting the movie be what it is, sit mm -hmm. on its own. Uh, and speaking of you know a lot going on in the movie, um, which has kind of driven Joss Whedon to dropping. Well, I don't I don't know if he was officially ever announced to be directing. Um, it was just assumed he'd be directing Avengers three, but he's announced uh recently that. You know, that's not going to be the case. And I guess now it's official that the Russo brothers are directing the uh, two-part Infinity Wars. Like, just yesterday, it became official. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I had a vibe that Joss Whedon wasn't going to do another one. Um, and I know that it's been rumored for a while that the the um, Russo I, brothers were going to take I over. Even, I mean, good for them. I mean, I didn't even think it was a rumor. On... I, thought, I thought it was true. I thought that was like a fact. What? That the Russo brothers were doing... Uh, it's been always rumored. Like, this is the actual first official announcement, but, okay. like, no one's ever come out and said otherwise. Um, hmm. But, I mean, I mean, the Russo brothers, they, they went from directing, you know, Community to, you know, doing a, a bang-up job on The Winter Soldier, you know, to, yeah. you know, getting the sequel... And then the fact that they're they're going to be spearheading like the you know, I don't know if they'll do an Avengers four, you know, or, well, or five in this essentially, case. Essentially, yeah, I was gonna say essentially they are you, doing a four. You know, um, you know, afterwards, sometime down the road. But uh, I mean, this is going to be the this the Infinity War is going to be the biggest gathering. You know, you thought Avengers and Age of Ultron, you know, is is you know really packed in. I mean, just wait until Infinity War. When we have Spider Man taking up them. a lot of the screen. But, um, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, good for them. Congratulations. You know, I'm sure Joss, we will still be on in some sort of producer consulting oh, yeah, capacity. I'm sure, I'm sure he'll take um, a crack at the script a couple times. It does times. make me excited to consider what Joss Whedon might do next. Yeah. You know, he kind of, uh, he kind of has the option to do whatever he wants now. Mm-hmm. I would, I would like to see him return to TV. And I know he has like, he has a love for TV, uh, mm-hmm. in his heart and, you know, if that ever actually gets played out or if he's going to move on to other movie stuff, who knows? But I, I, know I would definitely like to see him look back towards the smaller screen, maybe do something direct to Netflix. Would actually be really fun if they give him the money to do something like Supernatural or, you know, fantasy sci-fi over there. Mm-hmm. I would definitely be interested in that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, seriously, good good for the Rousseau brothers. Uh, I'm sad they're probably not going to be directing any more um, Arrested Development episodes. But, you know, you get what you get. You get what you can get. You get what you get. There was one other thing about... Um, I thought there was one other thing about Age of Ultron. No, no, no. There was the three stories that we just talked about. Um, and let's see. Oh, uh, WonderCon is moving. People were kind From of... From Anaheim, right? That to, was in Anaheim, yeah, California. To LA. Interesting. Yeah, which is kind of odd. Because Anaheim has really great convention space. Um, LA just feels really crowded. Yeah, uh, I, I've never had a strong desire to visit Los Angeles. I've been to LA. It's you know not the best. Yeah, it's there's sort of a, a romantic uh, romanticization of it within you know. Within that's our, where, that's our, where Hollywood is, right? Yeah, but Hollywood yeah. is so ghetto. Is it? Well, yeah, because it's you, like one. It's like one street that's nice, and the rest of them are just. Yeah, like Rodeo. I mean, there's there's nice parts of it. But you, uh, you know, you kind of set it up as like, oh, Los Angeles is this really glitzy, glamorous place. And, you know, you're going to attract people who are going to live there to try and, you know, be on that lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And they're not going to make it big, but they, you know, they're going to be out there and they're going to have to live. And there's got to be a place for the people who are doing waiting jobs to live. And it can't obviously be in a ritzy area. Exactly. Um but that was just a small thing that came out uh, this week with the end of WonderCon. So, you know, hope that works out for him. But just L.A. does not scream out, like, Convention City. You know, maybe, like, New York. I think we, we need, like, a big Comic-Con in New York. Or not New York. Sorry, we have one. Uh, Las... How did I go to New York when I was going to try to say Las Vegas? <laughs> How in the world did that just happen? 
Good job. You look at me go. All right, we're just going to move on to the next <laughs> new story and totally pretend. Uh, anyway, Jupiter's Legacy is coming as a movie. Uh, not surprised. We're not surprised at all, but we just got confirmation today. And um, yeah, no, it's great. We'll probably get this movie before we get the last issue. Right, it's like Game of Thrones. It's going to supersede the. Though with with how these how Malar movies are, it'll probably be very different already. I mean, yeah. I mean, you. It's weird because you take the books. I'm not going to say that the the um the 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 Bruce Willis books. Not Bruce Willis. Where the heck did that come from? Okay, we're tired. Um, <laughs> but how are we the, pulling the these names out of? Are, are bad in any way. <laughs> But at least so. I mean, I, I realize people can, might be able to question whether or not Wanted was good because it was it was such a different beast than the comic book. Uh, but Kick Ass, I feel like I enjoyed the Kick Ass movie or movies more than I did the book. Um, and then, especially with you know what I've read so far of the Secret Service, it's good. But I, I enjoyed the movie so much. Like I, I just mm-hmm. get so much more out of the movie. So it's weird. Like he writes these comic books, and Mark Millar's always had a very like cinematic style. But it's kind of like when you read like a novel and you're like, this novel would actually make a good book. And then the yeah. book in the movie is pretty good. Um, it's kind of like that where it's like this comic book's like, I feel like it's it's not wholly embracing its comic bookiness mm-hmm. um, because Mark Millar always has some kind of movie deal in his back pocket, even though he insists that he's making his comics first. No, it's totally he writes a, a, a comic and then he kind of dangles it out and it's like, all right, who wants to make this into a movie? Right. Some, I mean, sometimes he has movie deals before, you know, before the, the comic, comic is done. Come out. Yeah. Like he makes the comic book for the movie deal. Um, you know, Jewers Legacy though, that's, if, if they want to do it right, like, I mean, that's got to have a big budget behind it. Well, so they, they announced it in, uh, in conjunction with, uh, Lorenzo de Bonaventura. Von Matterhorn. <laughs> Lorenzo Von Matterhorn. Oh man. Haven't thought about that in a while. Uh, I wish. And now, but it's, uh, Lorenzo de Bonaventura. And uh, he, you know, you you might know him. Uh, nope. <laughs> right, exactly. Actually, hmm. So I was about to list a bunch of stuff that he's, like, produced. Um, but apparently he uh, was the one uh, discovering the shepherding of the Matrix into production and the purchase of the rights of the Harry Potter books by J.K. Rowling. So, you know, good for him. He apparently huh. has, a, he has an eye for these things. But his, uh, you know, his filmography includes stuff like Constantine and uh, Shooter, which I actually liked, but also Transformers and Stardust, which I actually liked, and Transformers Revenge of the Fallen and G.I. Joe The Rise of Cobra and Salt and Red, which I actually liked. So this guy's kind of all over the place is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And apparently Transformers 5. So he's got a hand in the Transformers series. And G.I. Joe series. Um, but, I mean, he's... But we don't like, know what his part to him, so he might be, you know, he can probably get some A-list talent involved, if anything. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really going to come down to the cast and the director and the budget, like how yeah. how, how much they're... how willing they are oh, to yeah. express the source material. So, so yeah, no. Um, I don't think they've even announced the studio for this yet. I think it's just that uh, Mark Millar and this guy are going to be 
Um, sorry, are going to be doing this, but uh, I forgot. Yeah, you know this this book is five issues in. Uh, Chrononauts had just come out when they announced the movie deal. So. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's true. So at least they waited two years. <laughs> <laughs> well, wasn't very hard. Um, they wanted to see how that first uh, that first uh, five issues were going to wrap up before uh, before making that deal. Yeah. Um, anyway, we'll see. We don't know to what capacity this guy could just be kind of the one who's going to help them find a studio for it. He could be producing, um, uh, you know, again, I think we said this when we talked about Chrononauts, everything is unknown. Um, I just want more Jupiter's Legacy, the comic. Right. More uh, Frank Whiteley goodness. More Frank Whiteley goodness. But until that happens, uh, we're going to go ahead and recommend some stuff to hold you over. So Nick, got any recommendations? Thanks for recommending something, David. Oh, well, you know what? Um, just real quick, I well, two things. I do want to recommend uh, two issues in the new Spider Woman book is really good. The artwork is fantastic. Great expressive characters. Um, great storytelling. A very kind of like uh, like Copperhead. Um, clean, detailed storytelling. Um, like, like that you get the small inset panels, like everything just flows really, really well. It's got kind of a, yeah, the story is all about like basically finding the kidnapped families of like C Z list supervillains, like the porcupine mm -hmm. and big wheel. Um, but they, he's really found a good niche for the Jessica drew character. And one thing that it, it like occurred to me today, as I was talking about it with uh, my friend, Ben, um, was part of this this new turnaround for the character is that like she's kind of tired of all the alien invasions you know interdimensional conflicts like all the big big crazy stuff she wants to just kind of lay low to the street and just do some street crime stuff for a while like it's normal quote unquote um but as i was kind of reflecting on like the, the first issue in her new outlook that like she gets criticized for like all of like the property damage she calls and kind of her lack of consideration for like the consequences of her actions and all like the crap that keeps happening and that's because she's so used to operating on such a big scale that like her heart's in the right place like i just want to be normal i'm going to go do normal things but her approach she can't escape her approach when dealing with you know when there's an alien invasion going on you're not thinking about property, property damage. damage you're like i gotta protect these people i gotta stop these aliens by any means necessary but you don't necessarily need to apply the same tactics when you're dealing with the porcupine mm-hmm you know, so so the second I realized that, I had an even greater appreciation for the nuance that's happening in this book. Mm -hmm. So, it's a good book. Definitely check it out. People should be buying it. Um, I kind of want, and I feel really silly doing this, um, but I don't necessarily want to, I'm not trying to redact my recommendation of it, but at the time that I recommended Rage of Ultron. Oh man, I was wondering if you were going to say anything. What? Um, yeah, I'm going to make it quick, though. I don't want to get long-winded about it. You know, I, I was definitely really tired last episode, um, and I had really only read, like, like, like a little over a quarter of the book at the time. Um, but then I got to the, the fill-in artist, and it totally threw me through the loop. And then I read a little bit more, and then by the time I got to the, the final the sequence, it was also by the fill-in artist. And I guess... The one, the more I've thought about it, the story is still good. There's a, there's a truly compelling story at the heart of it. You know about mm -hmm. Ultron, Hank Pym, the Vision. They're definitely the core of the story, and a lot of the points they bring up are very, very interesting. Uh, the criticisms that I now have of it, that I've kind of read it once and kind of gone back and flipped through it uh, a few times, is one, 
for a book that you're paying like twenty-four or thirty dollars for, you know, it's supposed to be like prestige format, you know, original graphic novel. I realized that it was being put out in time for Age of Ultron, but the fact that they requ- they required a fill-in artist, you know, because there's really no there the, the, there was nothing in the story that that separated that 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 made a need to to change up the art the art style is is is, is sad. And it's something against the individual creators. I, I know that they were trying to do their best work to get it out on time, but the fact that the book was made for the deadline mm-hmm. and not for the for the sake of the art, and I, you know, I'm not trying to be naive about it, but I just think it's unfortunate because it, it, it to me it wasn't Jerome Pena's best work, and I'm a big fan of his art, uh, and it, it was unfortunate. And, and Pepe Larraz is also a good artist, and this was also not his greatest work. Um, and to be relegated to just a fill-in artist to, to, to get these pages done so they could get it out on time kind of irked me. And I'm as much irked about having have putting money down for what I feel is a insufficient product as they must feel having to have rushed it out the door. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, as long as, you know, uh, I would at least read it, you know, read it once and then maybe kind of go back and, and maybe give it another read through if you want. Once you kind of accepted the fact that there's this that very jarring change in art styles. But, you know, Ridge of Ultron is still good. But like I said, the criticism for me really come down to the production of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know for, you know, for some people that actually is important. So just keep that in mind if you are to read it. Mm-hmm. Very cool. So my recommendation uh, this week is The Martian. No, I wish it was. <laughs> no, can't. No, I know. Are you sure? No, my recommendation. <laughs> sure? My recommendation this week is actually uh, Batman: Little Gotham. Uh, for those unfamiliar, it was originally I think it was just Dustin Nguyen um, doing the writing and the uh, illustrating, but it's since uh, it's since changed. I don't I don't think they're doing anymore. I don't. Okay, so I haven't kept up with this book. I read probably through the first volume, volume and a half. Um, but, you know, I dropped it because there's so many other things I'm trying to read. Uh, and I didn't drop it because I wasn't enjoying it. Um, mm-hmm. But one thing that, you know, the reason I want to recommend it is because it is sort of a, it's a fun all ages take on, uh, on you know, popular Batman characters, you know, Batman, Robin, Nightwing, Catwoman, the Joker, pretty much everyone you know is there in some capacity and there are all these little stories i think like each issue was a couple different stories these little vignettes of um you know just looking at the description here on amazon first up robin needs batman's help to learn the true meaning of halloween and you know it's like it's them you know trying to host thanksgiving and you know like stuff that's going on in different times of the year um and they were you know written in a way that can be easily enjoyed by kids. So if you have kids who really like Batman, uh, but you you know you don't want to give them uh, the death of the family um, or the killing joke, you know this is a this is a great alternative to uh, you know the animated series stuff that comes out every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also written uh, well enough that uh, that it can be enjoyed enjoyed by anyone like of all ages. And of course, you know, the Dustin Nguyen art is great. He does sort of these little like small, uh, like short stubby versions of the characters. Um, and you know, I'll use the word adorable because it definitely has its adorable moments. Uh, and it, you know, it's, it's, it's a fun read it. Uh, if you're tired of all the grim, dark, 
that can kind of come with reading Batman. Uh, this will kind of help wash you clean and and enjoy these characters in a different way than you may be used to. And mm-hmm. I think that is going to do it for us tonight. Cool. Thanks and, for the recommendation. Yeah. No. Good. Good. Good times all around. Um, and of course, you know, you can uh, you can let us know what you think or find out more about the show at heckyacomics.com or you can send us an email, which we would greatly appreciate and would uh, discuss and read on air as long as it's appropriate. Uh, even if it's not, we probably would at heckyacomics at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter, heckyacomics, all one word. Uh, you can find me on Twitter uh, at Davluz, that's D-A-V-L-U-Z, and uh, you can find Nick, um, let's see, what's, what are you doing this time? You can find Nick uh, trapped without super superpowers, banging against the wall of the domed city he's forever trapped in. Works for me. Yep. Well, if you enjoyed the show, then please tell your friends, and if you hated it, then please tell your enemies. Until next time, goodbye. Later. Worst episode ever.